Good morning, Crossroads. Happy Easter, everyone. Welcome, and thank you for coming today. Thank you for tuning in online if you're watching from home. For those of you in the building, would you please stand, rise, and worship a risen Savior this morning? sorrow and dead in my sin, lost without hope and no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in, when death was arrested and my life began. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remained. My orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new. Now life begins with you. Released from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new now life begins with you. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over.
Walking through deserts, I need more of your presence. I'm weak. Savior, be my strength. Oh 
God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. And then one day, I'll cross the river. No war with pain And then as death Gives way to victory I'll see the lights of glory And I'll know He reigns Because He lives I can face tomorrow Because He lives All fear is gone Because I know He holds the future And life is worth the living Just because He lives Because He lives I can face tomorrow Because He Happy Easter, Crossroads. He is risen. Uh, I love it. You guys can have a seat. So good to be with you this morning to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here. I just want to encourage you to just take a minute and let's just consider where we were last year. You know, Easter was online. Everything changed. You know, family traditions changed on a dime. The things that we looked forward to, we weren't able to do. You know, on our on a dime, the world changed, and now we're sitting here online. Can we just thank God for our online family? Can we welcome our online family? <laughs> Nothing can stop the move of God. You know, church may have looked different, but it never shut down because the church isn't a slave to a building. The church is the bride of Christ. And so I just think about like how powerful it is that we're sitting here, you know, a year later and we're worshiping the Lord and we never stopped. You know, this is obviously much more what we are excited about and what we're used to, but the same God is the same living hope that he was last year and the year before and continue and will continue to be. And so I just want to share with you, we're moving forward. And one of the things I want to put on your calendar 
is May 9th we have our baby dedications. And so uh, I know we had some we had a lot of families with having babies and and maybe you have kids that you would like to dedicate to the Lord and bring them up here on stage. So May 9th we're going to be dedicating um, our children and our babies. And so if you um, go on to the front page of our website, crossroadsministries.com, you can see a, a small form and you can fill it out and we will uh, dedicate your child. And it's just a beautiful thing to see the families on stage and we pray with you and we join together as your church to help you raise your kids to know the Lord and to push you and challenge you and pray for you. So that's May 9th. Uh, and I also want to I want to back up a, a little bit. And so April 18th, uh, Wade Baker, one of our deacons, is going to be starting a class called called Foundations. And so this Foundations class is is beautiful. What it is is for anybody who maybe you know last couple months or maybe years, you know, you, you said, hey, I, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior, and I want to know the bedrock of my faith. I want to know the foundations. And so this class is for you. Uh, it's going to start on April 18th, and it's going to be during the 930 time. Uh, and so we'll be sharing the room and, and more information to come. But plan on that April 18th, Wade Baker, and uh, looking forward to that class. So that's going to be foundations class. And also, too, if we have any guests this morning, welcome. We're glad you're here. And we have probably guests online, too. Um, and if you're here in the building, would you stop by the Welcome Center? We want to give you something by just saying thanks for being here and thanks for joining us. And if you're online, please let Elena know that you're uh, that you're new and you're a guest, and she can connect you with more information. But we're glad you're joining us online. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? You know, just just last last hour, and really even since Friday, we've seen people give their lives to Christ. Isn't that amazing? Like how God works, and 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 even online. We've just, I, I just was talking to Elena. She, uh, she moderates our online camp, our online campus, our online, you know, stream. And she said that several people raised their hand to accept Christ. Like, come on, people. This is amazing. Like, this is God at work. So can we celebrate and thank God for what he's doing? He's on the move. Another announcement I want to share is uh, life groups are happening. They're going to be coming soon, and so we're going to be sharing more information about that. So keep that in the front of your radar, life groups. Uh, so we want to connect you with people in your communities and maybe people that are a little bit farther from you. We want you to, to have barbecues. We want you to have people in your life that can support you and love you and care for you and study the Word of God. You know, we need people in our lives to do life together with. And so I just want to encourage you on that. So be, be looking out for life groups. We're going to be talking more about that. Um, I just want to share with you that uh, the faithfulness of this church is, is, is truly humbling and it's amazing. And so thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Uh, you can give online through the mail or the boxes on the wall in the auditorium or the lobby. But I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. God is so good and he's been so good to us and we're truly humbled. And so I'm telling you, like, it, since Friday, you know, Good Friday service, we've had, you know, Cody, who, you know, one of our speed painters, you know, that we know. And he, so you can see that as you leave. And just God continues to bring awesome opportunities. And I'm telling you, this, this blew my mind last hour. Like, these kids can dance. Your suspenders, dude, are amazing. I love it. Like, I always feel underdressed, and I see these kids, you know, like my own children are better dressed than I am. But I just want to say, these kids have done a phenomenal job, and so uh, we're going to hear from them in just a minute. But can we just thank God for our children here at Crossroads? I'll pray, and then I'll get out of the way, because I'm sure I'm probably in some picture right now. But anyway, let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the truth uh, that you, Jesus, are our living hope. And, Lord, as we uh, continue to just worship you and just love you, um, thank you, Lord, that you um, 
that you're here with us, God, and that you know everything about us, God, which is kind of scary, but it's humbling too, and it's comforting. And so, Lord, we thank you for your church here in the building. We thank you for the church gathering uh, online, Lord, one church uh, gathering under the name of Jesus. So, Lord, we love you, and uh, we just thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of your people uh, as we give, Lord, to the mission to see lives changed by Jesus. So, Lord, would you uh, just use these um, finances, Lord, for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we all pray.
Just thank God for those kids, huh? I love it. Love our kids, man. Thank God for all those people who work so faithfully with our children to just love them and bring them to Jesus. And uh, it's just wonderful. Aren't you thankful for Easter? Let's thank God for being here today, huh? Wow. You know, last Easter, as Luke already mentioned, you were watching me on your phone. I look much better in person. Some of you are still watching on your phone or casting to your TV, and we thank you for joining us online today. You know, uh, we've had full services all weekend and full online all weekend. Can we thank God for that? He is doing great, great things. I heard about about a, a, a few people that were actually in Florida that joined us for Good Friday. And uh, these, these were some people that were up in age and... Um, they actually took their Bluetooth from a hearing aid and connected it to the, their son. No, listen, their son took their Bluetooth and connected it to the, to the machine, you know, whatever these machines are, you know, iPad or whatever. And, the, and they could hear the message. And when it was time to receive Christ, they held hands and prayed to receive Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Let's thank God for that. That was just. So there, there are stories on top of stories on top of stories that are happening out there like that today, and I'm so thankful. You know, last year as we were, as we were getting, um, you know, in this pandemic, I had a, a philosophy, you know, as the captain of the ship here, I will be with the ship till it goes down. And if it goes down, I'm going with it. And, uh, you know, when it was, uh, we were up here, I would have a, a little coffee club out there. We'd do the sermons online and we'd have this little coffee club out there. And so every Saturday and every Sunday we would sit out there and pray. And, uh, last year on Easter Sunday, much to my surprise, we're out there praying and all of a sudden I hear the singing. I'm like, that's not supposed to be. Who's singing? And I go outside and Ken, who was the last guy up here on the praise team, he's sitting over here this morning. Ken, it was his first time ever being up here. He drove up here and he was singing. He was singing spiritual songs. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking for Jesus. Well, I'll tell you what, Ken found Jesus, didn't he? Let's thank God for that. And, and I love that. I'm so thankful because I, I just I just felt like, you know, uh, this is where I'm supposed to be. Whether the doors were open or not, this is where I'm supposed to be. And God allowed me to be here. So a few of us, we had our coffee club, but God had us here at the right time for the right moment. And Ken was looking for God, and he has been here. Literally, he came back the next week. It was me, three people out there, coffee, and Ken was in here by himself. And then we started outside on the outdoor services, and Ken was there. And so then all of a sudden, Ken said, hey, I can sing. I said, well, I guess you better talk to the music people. And the rest is history. Let's thank God for how he's working in the church. huh? God is moving. And so today, the world is full of a need for hope. Would you not say that we need more hope than ever before? We need hope. You know, they said that this year, the uh, retail associations say that people will spend $21.6 billion on Easter. $21.6 billion. That's a lot of money. The number one thing that they will buy is candy. And then it goes down the list, gifts and other things. And I'll let you know, I've contributed to that number. Um, you know, my love for Reese's peanut butter eggs, right? So Reese's peanut butter eggs, I, I've had a few cases already. So we're getting ready for the afternoon, and that's just pre-Easter celebration, right? 
Um, but I'll tell you what, I did find this out. They, they've come up with a new Reese's peanut butter. They went from eggs. They also have this. Check this out. This is so cool. They have Reese's peanut butter carrots. Now, if you can find a Reese's peanut butter carrot, please call me immediately. Because I think I will start to eat vegetables if that happens, all right? So that'll be my carrot. So anyhow, there's a lot of fun today. People are looking for hope, and we have the hope. We have the message of hope. It is right here. It is that Jesus has risen from the dead. Because Jesus rose from the dead, your life can be changed. You know, we have empty lives. There was an empty tomb to cure your empty life. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, he did that to cure your empty life so that you could be changed forever and ever and ever. And I want to encourage you. We've been in a series here. We've been talking through the book of Mark, and we're looking at the, we're calling it Remarkable. I'm going to encourage you to come back next week. All we did today is we fast-forwarded to the end of the book of Mark. Next week, we're going to go back and pick up in chapter 2 of Mark. We've been in chapter 1. It took us four weeks to go through the first chapter. There's so much remarkable things about God, about Jesus, and we're going to give you the remarkable Jesus. And when, as we take our time just going through this and looking and seeing who is Jesus, how remarkable is he, I think that your, your life will be changed. You will be utterly amazed at what God wants to do in your life as you see and understand more and more of who he is. But the first line of Mark, he says, listen, this is the gospel of Jesus, the good news that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah. And then when you go to the end of the book, you see the good news is that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose again. So on Good Friday, we know that Good Friday was all about uh, about when Jesus died. And that's the day we remember the reflection. We reflect on what Jesus did for us, how he paid the price for your sin. At nine o'clock, they hung him on the cross, 9 a.m. And at three in the afternoon, he died. He took his last breath. And the living son of God, God, the son of God, 100% man, on that cross, died. He said, it is finished. He wasn't saying he was finished. He said, your payment for your sin is finished. To telestai, it's been paid in full. And he took his last breath. And then we pick up here in Mark chapter 15, verse 42. And now when evening had come, because it was the preparation day... That is the day before the Sabbath. This was the week of Passover. And so they were on Friday. It was three in the afternoon. Sabbath started at sundown on Friday night and went to sundown on Saturday night. And so as they went and experienced this, from what that meant was that they could do no work on that. They, could, they, could, they had to rest. It had to be in their homes. It was, it was a high holy day because it wasn't just the Sabbath. It was the Passover Sabbath. So this was a, a holy day of holy days. And so it says that they were preparing. They would call it the day of preparation because you would prepare for the Sabbath so that you didn't have to go out, so that you didn't have to do anything, but you could rest on the day of Sabbath. So Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, Joseph of Arimathea was part of the Sanhedrin. Uh, it was the Jewish religious leaders of the day. They had their own uh, rule. Uh, uh, Rome gave them a partial rule. They were under the oppression of Rome, but Rome let the religious people have their own courts and their own things. 
And so Joseph of Arimathea was on that. That was the opposition to Jesus. You had the disciples and the followers and Jesus, all the followers of Jesus, and then you had the religious leaders who were anti-Jesus, who said, we cannot let him rise up. We cannot let, let, uh, let him have a movement. We've got to stomp this out. Joseph of Arimathea was a prominent person in that movement. He was uh, himself waiting for the kingdom of God. And what Mark is leaning into, he says, he's seeking God. He is quietly, he's a quiet seeker. And you know, there are many people like that today that are quietly seeking God. Like, they hear the claims of Jesus, but they won't openly talk about it. They won't openly let you know that they're buying into it. They're just kind of like, well, I'm not sure yet. I'm going to test the waters here. Uh, he came, he came and he had great courage and he went into Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus. So he goes before Pontius Pilate, the, uh, the Roman leader. And Pilate marveled that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So the Roman crucifixion was not something that was a quick crucifixion. Uh, the, the, an execution, you know, you can execute somebody pretty quickly. Just chop off their head, you could stab them. But the Roman crucifixion was about hanging on a cross. Jesus was not the first person to die on a cross. As a matter of fact, it was a criminal's death. There were, from what I understand, likely thousands of people that were crucified, that hung on a cross because of their crime. And they would put their crime on top of the, on a sign on top of the cross. Criminal, thief, you know, whatever it was that you did, your crime. So on top of Jesus' cross, we know that they put King of the Jews. And it was because he claimed to be God. He claimed to be God. And so this was the crime that they were killing him for, that he claimed to be God. Pilate marveled because this happened so fast. Many people, they would, it would take several hours longer. But Jesus died from 9 o'clock. The nails go in his hands. 3 o'clock, he takes his last breath. And so he's amazed. So he checks with the centurion, uh, the, the head of the Roman guards. And he says, hey, listen, what, what was it here that, that happened here? Uh, did, did he really die? So verse 45. So when he found out from the centurion that he granted the body to Joseph. So when he verified it, that he is really dead, he, he gave the body to Joseph. Then he brought the fine linen and took him down. And wrapped him in the linen, and he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. So what happened here today, you see on the cross behind me here, we have this white cloth draped. On Good Friday, we put a dark cloth up there. On on uh, uh, Palm Sunday, you typically put a purple cloth up there. And it just reminds us of that cloth. Like when Jesus came off the cross, that's what happened. Joseph took a cloth like that, and they would climb up there, and they would release the nails from his hands, and the body, just lifeless, would go like that. And the, the, the cloth would go underneath the arms, and they would just lower him down. So that's what they did. And then they took the cloth, that they, the very cloth that they lowered him down with, and then they wrapped him in linen. That's the linen. And they put him in a tomb. And they would put some smelling sauce on there type of thing. Uh, they didn't really embalm like we do today. Uh, the Egyptians were known for their mummifying. Well, the, the Jewish people, they didn't mummify. Um, but they did treat the body with respect and with care. And so they would do this, and they would, they would put this, uh, the smelling salts on them, and then they would take them to a tomb. Now, it wasn't common for, for a Roman crucifixion, though, to get a tomb treatment. Most of the time, they would let the body hang up there. Some of them would hang up there for days. Vultures would come and just eat and peck away at the body. 
When they took the body down, they would just throw them on a trash pile. As a matter of fact, Golgotha, you, you, you've heard of Calvary, Golgotha, the, the place of the skull. Not only did it look like a skull when you drove by, by the landscape of the hillside, but many commentators believe that there were likely skulls that were laying around in the area from others that were died of this criminal's death. The place of the skull. When, when he took him down off the cross, this is what was happening. This is the scene. And he takes him and he puts him into the tomb. And they rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. So what they had was a tomb would be like here it says, uh, uh, hewn out of the rock. So hewn out of a hillside, a cave, if you were almost. And then they would take a track. They would make a track in front of it and they would get a huge stone and they would roll that stone away so you can get the body in, roll the stone back. Joseph of Arimathea had what was known as a family tomb. And here's what they would do in a family tomb. They would take the body, they would treat your body, they would put you in there, and then you would decay. And then when somebody else in the family would die, they would come in and they would just basically move your remains out and put the next person in. It's kind of a really gruesome thing, isn't it? And, uh, you know, be like, okay, here comes Ken. All right, next. Here comes the next generation. We just keep piling them up. But that was the culture of the day. And so when Jesus was put in there, they, uh, they did this, and, and that's where the stone was. Over in Matthew, he tells us that they put a seal around that stone so that they would know if anybody had broken into it. And it wasn't the disciples who put that seal on there. It was Pilate. He ordered the, the seal around the stone. Uh, and they said, listen, we're not going to let this guy have a rising up from this. We've got Jesus. He's in our rear view mirror now. We're going to keep moving forward. There's a new day here. We, we got him out of our misery. And so as they keep moving forward with, uh, with, with Jesus, they come and they, they put him in the tomb. He's dead. They seal the tomb. And then they put guards around the tomb. And they would change the guards every four hours throughout the entire weekend. So th- this was like, we're not going to have a guard sleeping. There's no way that we're going to have any funny business about this. The guy is dead. And Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph, observed where he was laid. The next verse, 47. And what he's doing is he's telling you, go verify my story. You see, the book of Mark was written within 30 years of when Jesus died. These people were still alive. And he says, you can go verify my story. You can go verify Joseph of Arimathea. He really lived. He's still alive. You can go talk to him. You can talk to Mary, and you can talk to Mary. These people are still alive. And so here we have these, these women. They, get the, they, they verify that he's put in the grave. And so what happens is you go through Good Friday. Sundown happens. you got the Sabbath all the way to sundown Saturday evening. So they're not going to go back down there on Saturday evening. Why, why wouldn't they go back on Saturday evening? Because you don't go to a tomb at night. Do you go to a graveyard at night? Let me know. I'll stay away from you. Nobody goes to a graveyard at night, right? Like, that's just not what you do. And so they waited till Sunday morning, and they get up Sunday morning, and look what happens here. Mark 16, the next verse. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought, sl- brought spices. And that they might come and anoint him. Now, here's what was going on. They had taken Jesus off the cross. 
We know that Joseph of Arimathea was there. We know that Nicodemus helped Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea. And, uh, and they had to rush to get him into the tomb before Sabbath. They were rushing to beat sundown. So they go through this and they rush and they, they you know, and, and what was happening, these women said, we, we can't let that be. But he didn't, it needs a woman's touch. Like those guys, there's no way they could have done that right, right? No way these guys just, you know, probably wrapped them like a butcher would, you know, just wrap up the meat, right? But here comes the women. They said, we need to treat this body with proper respect and proper care. And what would happen when a body decays, when it dies? It smells. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he had been dead just a few days, and they came over, and Jesus said that he was going to work. And, and they said, but Lord... In the King James, I like what the King James says. He stinketh. It's true. You ever get around a dead body? It stinketh. Listen, it could be just a dead deer in the backyard. I found a dead deer in my backyard a few years ago, and I was like, oh. Get around a dead human body, and it's even worse. And that smell gets in your nose, and you can't get rid of it. So what they would do, because these tombs, even though it had a, a, a wax seal around it, it wasn't an airtight seal, so the fumes would be getting out, and you'd smell this decay. And they would go down, and they would treat them. They would put these spices on them and properly take care of this body. It was the proper thing that you would do for somebody who is your loved one that you cared and respected. Somebody in your family dies, you go and you do the right thing for them. That's what they were doing. They loved him. And here we are, we see these three ladies, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. Very early, verse 2, very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? Man, we're not, they have a legitimate issue. Who's going to do this? We're not strong enough to do that. But when they looked up, oh, I love that verse, when they looked up. Folks, that's the answer to life right there. Look up. You know, this was the worst year on human history for us, for our human history, I would say, right? Globally, people fearing for disease. Uh, everything's in a disaster in our world right now. I want to tell you, that's the answer right there, to look up. Not just look up to self-help. That's, that, that won't help you. Don't just look up to positive thinking. That's not what I'm talking about. Look up to Jesus. Look up to Him. He is the author and finisher of your faith. Look up to Jesus. When they looked up, they're down. They're depressed. Our Master has died. They can't believe this has happened. And when they look up, God shows the answer. They saw the stone had been rolled away, for it was very Large. Next verse, verse 5. And entering the tomb, they saw the young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Why were they alarmed? Because they were looking for a dead body. You don't take spices down to a tomb of an empty tomb. They were looking for a dead body. They were looking for Jesus' dead body. They had lost all hope. They gave up everything. And then when they looked up, they saw the stone was moved. And the first thing that came to their mind, what happened? Who stole his body? 
They're thinking somebody stole his body. So they enter the tomb, and there's, I'll call him an angel. He's got this clothing on. And, and it says that they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You see Jesus of, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Come see the place where they laid him. So look here. You can see where they laid him. So that, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. That, so they went out quickly and they fled from the tomb and they trembled. They were amazed and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Why are they afraid? Because they think he's been stolen. Why are they afraid? Because this isn't what's like, like he's dead. And so what they had missed, they had missed that, that God was going to do something so powerful. And as we go through this passage this morning, I want to share with you that that is, that this is our message. The main message of Christianity I just read to you, that Jesus died and that he rose again. Because I want you to look at all the other religions of the world. None of them have a leader that rose again. People go back to many other religions, religious leaders, and they go to their grave, and it's, a, oh, here's his remains. Well, guess what? The tomb of Jesus is empty. There's no need for us to go back there. And so I, I want to encourage you today that the stone was rolled away, not so that Jesus could get out, but so that we could get in. You see, Jesus didn't need the power of the stone to be rolled away. If you could rise from the dead, do you think you really need to, an angel to help you move a stone? You know, it was like the angel didn't do that for Jesus. He did it so that the ladies could get in and they could see that the tomb is empty. This is over. Like their grief is over. And it takes them a while to catch this because you're not thinking that way. Um, Jesus had told them that this would happen. But I'll tell you what, when, when you're in that moment of grief, you're not thinking, oh, yeah, I remember he said that. They were with him for three years over in the book of John, chapter two, um, we see this. The Jews answered and said to him, they came to Jesus and they said, show us what sign do you show us since you do these things? So because he, he said that I am God, I am one with the father. And they, they did not like that. They attacked him for it every time he identified himself as God. Do you do these things? What signs show us? How do we know who you are? And Jesus said, I love this. Jesus said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll rise it up again. Go ahead, destroy it. Um, then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will rise it up in three days? They thought he was talking about the physical temple. And look what, look what he says here. John tells us, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. Jesus says, go ahead, make my day. Go ahead. Kill me, I'll rise up. Kill me, I'll pull off Easter. Go right on ahead. And that was the message of Jesus. You go into Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 10. We see three times that he gives this, this word that, hey, I will, you know, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back. I'm going to die and I'm going to rise. But the, the, they didn't catch it at this point. And so I want you to understand this, folks, that the resurrection of Jesus is the game changer. It sets us apart from all others. 
All the religions of the world have a great leader, and all those great leaders are dead, and they're in a tomb somewhere. But Jesus, first of all, number one, we don't have a religion. We have a relationship. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's thank Him for that. Number one, our, our, our Christianity, remember, it's Christianity because it's Christ. Christianity. It's all about Jesus. And why is it all about him? Because he rose from the dead. If you go to Israel and you look at that empty tomb, there's nothing there. Listen, I'd love to go on a trip to Israel. I think it'd be great if I didn't have to fly on an airplane 13 hours to get there. I I think it'd be great to go there one day and visit all those Holy Land sites. But I'll tell you what, an empty tomb, there's really nothing there. It's like, oh, that's cool. I could show you my office just the same. It's an empty tomb. And that is, thanks be to God, it is empty, folks. It is done. It is finished. He paid the price. And if the, if the resurrection of Jesus, all right, so the resurrection of Jesus is the validation to the payment on the cross. If he died on the cross and paid for your sin and that was the payment, then when he rose, that's the receipt. You catch that? He validated it. It is finished. It is over. And let me show you, I am really God. Because anybody could come and claim to be God. Anybody could die on a cross, but not anybody can rise again. The proofs of the resurrection. How do we know it's so true? I want to give you just a few thoughts here on the proofs of the resurrection this morning, all right? Number one, there was a death. Uh, There was actually a death. No credible scholar will deny that there was a death. Uh, uh, Gary Habermas, I was reading up some things from Gary Habermas. He said, no credible scholar will deny that there was a death. All historians will agree that this Jesus was historical. He lived and that he died. The problem that they have is with the resurrection. Why? Because if he's alive, it means that you've got to do something with your life. If he's alive, it means that you can't live the way that you want to live. You can't spend your money the way you want to spend it. It means that I can't hold angerness and bitterness and all that stuff. I can't do that anymore because he's alive. But if he's just some dead guy over there and I can read his books, I can move on. No, no, no. He is alive. But there was a death. So these people uh, that, that, that have come, historians will tell you that he it had died. Josephus will tell you that. Tacitus will tell you that. Lucian will tell you that. The Talmud will tell you that. They will tell you that this Jesus actually lived and that he died a Roman crucifixion. And by the way, let me tell you, nobody survived a Roman crucifixion. Nobody. They put you up there and they let you hang till you die. You're hanging on a tree. It's an asphyxiation, death by asphyxiation. You can't breathe no more. And you die. The soldiers, they could verify when you were dead. They took you off and they let you to the ground. And that was your life. And they treated you like a piece of garbage. There was a death, so so uh, many, many historians will uh, will go as far to tell you that he died. But not all of them, they have a problem with the resurrection. And I think that, listen, it's hard, I get it. You know, when I go into a funeral home, sometimes I'll look at the body and I'll say, is it me or did that guy just start to breathe? You know what I mean? You, you ever look at somebody being laid out? You know, like I've lost a few family members and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm getting out of here. That guy started to breathe, you know. If he sits up, I'm running, you know. Uh, but listen, Jesus died. And there was no 
There was nothing else, but he rose again. And that's where the problem for many people is. And maybe for you that's a problem. Maybe for you, you're struggling. You say, man, I'm not sure I understand all this. Let me tell you, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, man, they became full-fledged followers after they met the risen Lord. Joseph of Arimathea is another proof of the resurrection. Um, If you were writing a story and you're making up a, a legend, which, by the way, legends happen several hundred years afterwards. You know, there's all kind of legends I know in, in South Park, there's a legend of the Green Man's Tunnel. Anybody ever heard of that legend? You know, go down here. There's a Green Man's Tunnel in every community probably, you know. This guy fried on an electric line, and he's living around the tunnel. And, the, you know, you go down there at night with your girlfriend, scare her, so she kisses you. And that's why you go down there, all right? So, oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. This is church, all right? So, so a legend, the story about Jesus is not a legend. This is not a legend. Mark writes this within 30 years. And if you would not write this and say, hey, the enemy buried him. Because they could just go to Joe. Hey, Joey, Joy of Arimathea in that. Where's the body in that? It's sad, I don't know. But Joseph verified it. And it's true. Hmm. Um, He put an X marks the spot. You could go find it. You could go find the treasure. He was writing in the same city. He's writing from Jerusalem where all these things happened, where people could verify it. And if it wasn't true, they'd say, hey, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. But but it is true. Uh, There was also the ladies, the, the eyewitness testimony of the women. I want you to catch this because in that day, you would not write in the eyewitness testimony of the women. And let me share this with you. Now, ladies, this is not me. This is ancient history. So do not attack me, all right? Josephus said this. He said, women's words are so untrustworthy that they would not be held in a court of law. That was in that day. Celsus, the Greek philosopher, said this. He said, there's no way that I would trust a woman's testimony for women are hysterical. Guys, be good on that one. The Jewish Talmud said rules, uh, the Jewish Talmud, which was the rules and the regulations of Jewish living, said this, that a woman's word and witness were not to be given weight. Thanks be to God, Jesus came and validated women, did he not? Let's thank God for that, amen? God validated it. God created man and woman equal in his sight. We are both images of God Almighty. Let's thank him for that today, folks. Thank God for that. But if you were going to pick an eyewitness, you picked the wrong one in that day. Why did they include the testimony of the women? Let me tell you why they include the testimony of the women. Because it's true. The first people to see the empty tomb and to see Jesus were not the disciples. You know why? Because those manly cowards were hiding. Hmm. Excuse me? What did I hear over there? Okay, let's move on. Anyhow, listen, those cowards were hiding at that point. And the women, all they could think of was, he's stinking. And they go in to do the work. And they 
they're blown away. In Mark and Matthew and Luke and John, they all give you this. Let me tell you another proof is the opposition's testimony. The opposition also said, the, the, the religious leaders of the day, Pilate, they also agreed that the tomb is empty. Look what they said here. This is Matthew chapter 28, verses 11 through 15. Now, they were, now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported that the chief, to the chief priest that all that had happened, that the tomb was empty. And when they had assembled with the leaders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, tell them, tell them this, tell them that his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And as, the, as this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and they did as they were instructed. And Mark tells us, I'm sorry, Matthew tells us here, he says, as this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day, that rumor is still going around that they stole the body. But I'll tell you what, the opposition did not deny that the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. And so may I give you this here today? Uh, the, the other thing is this. Not only do we have that, we have the experience of the 500 witnesses. More than 500 eyewitnesses r- saw and met and ate and talked to the resurrected Jesus. Over the next 40 days, you have he makes his appearance to the women. He makes his appearance to the 11 disciples. Remember, Judas went out and hung himself. There's only 11 left. Uh, to James. James was his half-brother. James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. What would it take to convince you that your brother were God? Well, my brother turned water into wine. Well, you should see what I did. Uh Uh-uh. When he rose from the dead, James goes, he's God. And I'm going to follow him. And James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He appeared to 500 people at once. He appeared to Thomas. Thomas, touch. You get to touch me. Touch my hands. Touch my side. Feel the wounds. Um, he appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. He was written about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Acts, he's written about. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul has written, Paul went from being the persecutor, the biggest terrorist against the church, to becoming the greatest proponent of the church. He becomes the person who goes out and plants more churches and he preaches to more people. He writes 13 letters that are now in your New Testament that you read. And in every one of them, he refers to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the early church, um, they had a creed. Within 30 years of Jesus dying, they adopted a creed. I'm sorry, within three months. Within three months, Mark wrote this letter within 30 years. Within three months, they adopted the creed. And let me read you the creed here. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. This was the creed. The Apostle Paul says, I have passed, I re, what I have received, I'm passing on to you of first importance. It is the most important thing. Folks, you have some misconceptions about God. Maybe you have a, a, a beef with God because of something that you know of a Christian that's mistreated you. You have a beef with God because you heard of a rule or regulation that you think God doesn't love you because you don't like his rules. Um, and listen, Paul says that stuff don't matter. Let me tell you what matters. This is the most important thing. And then he gives the creed. Within three months of this man rising from the dead... The church grew, and this was the creed that they were repeating to each other. 
Let's read it together. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried and that He raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. After that, He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have passed away. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last he appeared to me. And I want to give you this today, folks. We have the resurrected Lord. We have eyewitness testimony. People have met him. We have it here. And I want to, I want to let you know there was no conspiracy. There was no hallucination theory. There's no swoon theory. You can hear all those theories to discredit the resurrection. Listen, if we're having a hallucination, let me tell you one thing about a hallucination. I can't invite you into my hallucination. Just think about that. Not that I've hallucinated very much. But, you know, if I'm having a dream, we'll just go that far. If I'm having a dream and I'm on, you know, I'm, I'm on the beaches of wherever, and I say, I wake up and say, hey, honey, come on the beach with me. She looks at me like, what are you talking about? I can't invite you in there. This was not a conspiracy, a hallucination. This was, this was the truth. And so Mark and Matthew and Luke and John, they write down these letters for us. We have this eyewitness testimony. And let me tell you, so what now? You've got to understand that the, not only is he alive, but because of the empty tomb. The empty tomb showed us a few things. And if you're taking notes, I'm finally getting to them. Easter's lasting all day today. Empty tomb showed us that Jesus was who he claimed to be. Read it with me. Jesus is who he claimed to be. Who did he claim to be? God. 100% God. 100% man. And if he is God, he demands something from you. He demands that you're in his box, not him in your box. Ooh, I want to be in control. I want everything just the way I want it. And this is where God, you should do this. God says, no, I'm God. You're in my big world. And I have just done this. If he raised from the dead, folks, he can take care of any problem, any struggle, any hurt, any pain, any rejection, any loneliness, any unforgiveness, any bitterness, any addiction. He can handle it all because he arrested death. I love that song we sang this morning. Death was arrested and I've been set free, 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 forever we're free because Jesus is who he claimed to be. Because of the empty tomb, it shows us that God paid our ransom. And he redeemed us. Say that with me. Jesus paid our... Well, there we go. Let's say it together. God paid our ransom and redeemed us. Say it again. God paid our ransom and redeemed us. Ephesians 1, 7. Read this with me out loud. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. He gives you his grace. He gives you this redemption. He buys you back. He forgives you because of what he did on the cross. And had he not raised from the dead, we wouldn't be here today at all. This would be a better country club if Jesus did not rise from the dead. But thanks be to God, we're not a country club. Although it's not a very pretty country club, is it? 
We are the church of the living God. And you are the people that will go out and change this world because you are the church of the living God. And when this world shut down this past year, listen, you were the church of the living God and God is using you. And as no matter what comes, we are the church of the living God because we have been redeemed. We have been bought back. He paid the ransom for my soul. He answered the question of afterlife. You know, life does exist after this life. And Jesus told us, God tells us that you will spend it in one of two places, heaven or hell. That's it. There's nothing in between. Heaven or hell. And you don't get to heaven by being a good person. Hell is for people that are for, hell is for all of us that, that have been, we have been rejected by cause of our sin. But God says, listen, I have given you eternal life and heaven is a place not for good people. Heaven is a place for people who have trusted Him, who have been forgiven. So the question of afterlife is answered. And I, and I want to encourage you because over in the book of John, Jesus told us, He says, don't be afraid of death. Don't be afraid of death. I love that. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't believe, don't, don't be afraid of death. Folks, I'm not afraid to die. I, I just would like to pick, like, I don't want to pick how either. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to know about it. Just don't wake me up the next morning. That's how I choose to die. I don't want a car accident. I don't want to be crippled for years. All that stuff, right? But listen, at the end of the day, the question of afterlife is answered. You don't have to be afraid to die. Um, Have we not seen a world that was afraid to die this year? This time last year, the world was afraid to die. And it is still one of the number one fears of people. I might die. And listen, I'm telling you, I'm not going out there and being foolish. No, no, no. You don't be foolish. You take care of yourself. Do the right things. But you do go out there and say, listen, I have a life that will live longer than this life. And it's because of what Jesus said. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. If I go prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and bring you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be. And Thomas says, but Lord... We don't know how to get there. How, what's the way to get there? And then Jesus says this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Folks, we have a living God, not a dead God. Jesus is the way. And because of that empty tomb, let me tell you what he's given you. He's given you an invitation to the grace of God. He's given you an invitation to come and receive his grace. Oh, I love that grace. The grace of God is so powerful in your life. And, and if you'll just give it, let him have that grace. We're going to throw up here uh, Mark sixteen seven. I, I love this here. I'm going to wrap up on this one here. But he, he, the angel told him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. Isn't that cool? Peter got a shout out from the tomb. You know, before there was all this media and all that, <laughs> Jesus was on top. But he had a shout out from the tomb for Peter. Why, why did he say, go tell his disciples and Peter? Because Peter denied him. Peter is, when he denies Jesus, he's looking down at, the, at Jesus. Like, Jesus was over in this area here. It was kind of a lower place in the, in the governor's palace in the hallway down there. And they said that, Peter could look down there and Jesus likely was looking up. So when Jesus denied him, it was like this. Uh, when, when Peter denied Jesus, he goes, uh, I, I, no, I don't know him. And just to see the look on Jesus' face. 
But at the tomb, they said, go tell his disciples and Peter. You know why? This is the offer of grace. This is the offer of love. You know what God's saying to Peter? I want you back. I want you back. I want you back. I love you. I redeemed you. I paid for your price. I've risen from the dead. I want you back. Go tell his disciples. Go tell all 11 of the cowards, right? Go tell all 11 of those guys that are hiding right now. I'm alive and I want them and I want to restore them. I want to encourage them. I want to be their God. I am their God. I rose from the dead. Tell them that he's going before you into Galilee and there you will see him. And I have a purpose. He gets, he meets him in Galilee. He gives him grace and then he gives him a purpose. And you know what, folks? That's what God's done for you. He's given you grace and you have a purpose. And your purpose is to go out and keep telling this good news that Jesus rose from the dead. And if Jesus rose from the dead, I ask you today, what will you do with that? You can't just walk away from that. It demands a response. And your response could be, oh, well, that was nice. Your response can be to say, God, I give you my life, and I make you number one today. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, the Scriptures tell us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sins. John told us, but as many as believed and received. It's, it's one thing to know the historical facts. It's another thing to receive it. God's given you a gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So today I invite you to trust Jesus and receive that gift. On this Easter Sunday, let God change your life. You don't have to change. God does it. Come to him and let him take care of you. And if you would just start right there, pray something like this. Just quietly pray this to God. Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner, and I've offended the holy God, but you died on the cross. You paid for my sin, and I trust you right now. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. I invite you into my heart. And on this Easter morning, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just opened your heart to Jesus. You just prayed to the Lord and you meant business. Would you, would you just uh, raise your hand up and down and I'll pray for you. If that's you, just raise your hand up and down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you all over this place. All right. God bless you all over the place. God is moving. God, God bless you. I see that hand. Are there others? Just put, God bless you. I see that hand. Are there others? God bless you all over this place. God's moving. God's talking to you. I'm going to, remind, I'm going to close in prayer, and I'm just going to ask God to encourage you. There are many people in this room today that just gave their heart to Jesus. Father God, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you that you just changed many people's lives because you're alive. God, I pray that you'll be with each one of those people that just prayed now to receive you. Lord, would you... Give them encouragement and bless them and strengthen them in the journey ahead. And, Father, I pray now also for all of us, Lord. I pray that that for everyone in this congregation, everyone that's joining us online, God, transform us from the inside out. God, as we see that you have risen from the dead, it changes everything. I I no longer own the rights to my life. You own the rights to my life. 
And so, God, all those things that I'm confused about, all those things that many are confused about, we're just going to keep following you. And we're going to see what that's like, to see how remarkable you are and to see why it's worth to follow you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you rose from the dead. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you just rejoice with me for the many people in this room who just trusted Jesus as their Savior? God is so good. We rejoice with you. God bless you. You are dismissed. If you just prayed with me today, I want you to stop by. I have a table in the foyer. There's free Bibles. I want you to take one home. Nobody has taken one and said it was boring. I'm, uh, trust me. Take one. They're free for taking. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.
heard all my life, and its truth and power will always remain. But as my eyes close and mind awakes, no words come to fill the space. 'Cause words, they don't do your power much justice. It's too great, too great to be bound by little letters we make up. And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory by calling you this and that. But the reality is that we can't fully comprehend how you can be all of who you are. And think of us. You think of me daily. You have a desire to be a part of my life, and I can't understand why. It's one of those things that's too good to be true, but yet it is. I don't think my job is to understand why. I think all that I'm supposed to do.